Flowis Chadwick was an American marathon swimmer who's probably most famous for being the first woman in history to have ever swum the English Channel in both directions. And after she'd achieved that feat, her next challenge was to swim from Catalina Island through the ocean to California on the west coast of America, which is an ocean swim of about 30 kilometres. On her first attempt, after swimming for 15 hours continuously, Flois Chadwick was eventually pulled from the water, exhausted. She was only 800 metres short of the coastline. Afterwards, they asked her why she had stopped when she was so close. Her answer, I don't want to make excuses, but I think I could have made it if I'd just been able to see the shore. If I'd just been able to see the shore. See, it had actually been a really foggy day and she didn't know how close she was. So she just gave up because she couldn't see the finish. Two months later, she tried again. The same fog rolled in. But this time, she reached California. The difference? Well, this time, she kept a mental image of the shoreline in her head as she swam. She said she just kept focusing and seeing that finish line in her head. And she made it. Now, in this morning's Bible passage, Isaiah shows us our finish line. He shows us the finish line that will greet the people of God at the end of our lives. And Isaiah shows it to us so that we might have this vision in our head, so that we might persevere and reach the end. Which makes a great conclusion to the book of Isaiah, because here we are. We started it way back in January, dipped in and out of it a few times. This is now the 24th talk in the series. They said we'd never make it, but here we are at the end. A book that has been all about God's grand plan to transform the world. And it's a long book, and we've seen lots about the plan, but at its heart, it's been a plan to punish rebellious people and purify repentant people. And today, as this epic book draws to a close, God takes us forward in time to show us the end result of the plan. After 64 chapters of God's grand plan to transform the world, here at the end we get this majestic vision of what that transformed world will be like. We get to see the finish line that is in store for those repentant people whom God has purified. We get to see the finish line that is in store for those who have had their sins washed clean by the Lord's suffering servant. We get to see the finish line of what's in store for the disciples of Jesus Christ. And it is outstanding. Let me point out some of the highlights. The first being that this is going to involve an entirely new creation. Verse 17. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not even be remembered, nor will they come to mind. I want you to just notice a couple of things here. Firstly, notice the deliberate way in which that verse echoes the opening verse of the entire Bible. 
The very first verse of the entire Bible, Genesis 1 verse 1 reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Well, now we hear God saying that he will create new heavens and a new earth. In other words, here is an act of power as enormous as when God spoke the word and this planet came into being in the first place. A time is coming when God will speak a new word and this current planet will vanish in a roar and it will be replaced with a new one. You've seen that ad on telly at the moment. Uh, It's for some sort of insurance company that I honestly can't remember which company it is. But there's this bloke crying and really upset because his beloved car is all smashed up. And then all of a sudden he just sort of gets really excited and happy and he forgets immediately about all his beloved old car because a truck pulls up the front of his place and there's a brand new car on it to replace the old one. That is what's happening here. We're not talking about a reconditioned earth here. We're not talking about an earth that's come back from the panel beaters that's been touched up and recycled. This is a brand spanking new planet. As are the heavens. Which is another thing I'd like you to notice about this new creation in verse 17. It's new heavens, plural. Heavens being a reference to the stars and the planets. In other words, what Isaiah is going to go on to describe here is not a description of heaven, singular. It's not a description of the place that's, you know, that sort of symbolic place where God lives. He is describing a new physical universe, okay? Because it means that the end goal of God's plans is not for us to be in heaven with God when we die. The future of God's people is to be in a new creation. Now, look, I know in the movies and in books and TV ads, you get all this, you know, you get pictures of us being in heaven when we die. And, you know, we're sitting around on clouds and we don't seem to be doing much and we're dressed in white. And even as Christians, we often speak of going to heaven, being in heaven. It's actually never the picture that the Bible gives of the end future of God's people. Our future is not to be in heaven, but to be in the new heavens and on a new earth, a new physical creation full of enjoyments, pleasures, Fulfillment. I mean, look at verse 18. Look at the emotions listed there. Uh, Gladness, rejoicing, delight, joy. This new creation will be an utter pleasure to be in because as Isaiah goes on to describe, this will be a perfect new creation. Verse 19. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought of as a mere youth. Within our churches at DPC, several of our brothers and sisters know the the tragedy of losing a child. I can't imagine that. A day is coming when that be no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. Isaiah is actually using poetic license here. He's, He's effectively saying that death will no longer exist. Death will no longer bring pain into our lives. Earlier in the book, in chapter 25, he actually hinted at this. He said back there that a day was coming when God would swallow up death forever and the Lord God would wipe away tears from all faces. It's a phrase that's picked up in the uh, book of Revelation 
that A.B. just read for us from the, where John sees his vision of the finish line. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. A perfect new creation is on the way and death will no longer tear us away from those we love. Not only that, verse 21, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. Across our churches at DPC, lots and lots of our brothers and sisters know the injustice that comes from having the works of your own labours taken away from you for a range of reasons. I can remember sitting up in bed in the middle of the night once just in time to see a stranger crawling across our bedroom floor in the act of reaching out to grab Sue's handbag at at the foot of the bed. It took months for my pulse to just get back to normal. And lots of us know that sort of stuff of having things stolen and no one is ever caught for doing it and we're left with the massive inconvenience of having to get all the cards replaced and new licence and change all the locks and some of you know the pain of divorce only made worse by what you feel is an unfair settlement, the irritation that comes at work when other people take credit for your efforts, the frustration of working on a project or working for an exam only to get disappointing results because of unfair marking, the times when you've suffered because of preferential treatment to others, to be bullied at school, to suffer pain, to have misfortune, sometimes even physical abuse at the hands of other people. A day is coming when all of that sort of outrage will vanish. Misfortune will evaporate. And we will live in a world where God himself will be at our side in an instant. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. In fact, such is the safety of this new world that you get this lovely description at the end there of animals that are normally at war with each other, previous enemies now feeding alongside one another. Verse 25. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. See, here is a place where hostility and antagonism and tension and aggression and conflict, they're all gone. For here is a place no longer controlled, no longer deceived by the lies of the evil one. Because did you notice that lovely little reference in verse 25 about the dust being the serpent's food? It's a nod back again to Genesis and the serpent back there who tempted Adam and Eve, but who now in this new creation is utterly humbled, utterly powerless, left to eat nothing but the dirt beneath our feet. For in the new heavens and on the, old, and on the new earth, the old has been done away with completely. And friends, the language and the imagery that Isaiah is piling on top of each other, it's as if it's, as if it's being stretched to the limit. It's as if the language is struggling to capture just how glorious and perfect and good this new creation is. 
It's effectively saying that no matter how good you reckon this new creation is going to be, it's going to be better. Nothing bad will be there. Can you just say that, that nothing bad will be there? What's the bad stuff in your life at the moment? What are the struggles? What's tempting you? What's leading you to sin? What are the tensions? What are the hurts that came at you even just this last week? The physical sickness. The feelings of loss and pain. The times you've been confused, misunderstood. Struggles at work, struggles in the family. Confrontations. Confusion. Not knowing what to do. Sadness. Loneliness. Anxieties. There will come a day when all those things, all of them, gone. That's our finish line. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Because so much of our life is just shaped by bad stuff happening. We just expect it. Heck, we plan for it. We make contingencies for it. So it's almost impossible to imagine a world where it's not going to happen. This is a world where you're not going to have to lock your door. This is a world where you don't need to take out insurance. This is a world where there won't need to be police or lawyers or law courts or doctors or health care or anti-corruption agencies. This is an existence so good that, what does it say in verse 17? The former things will not even be remembered. Now, at the risk of trivialising this, I can't help thinking that it's sort of going to be like when our family first started going camping. See, when Sue first suggested the idea of our family holidays being camping holidays, I just couldn't get my head around that. Uh, The idea of piling everyone into the car and driving for thousands of kilometres while dragging a camper van behind us, that didn't seem like a good idea to me. The thought of staying in campgrounds, setting up each day, actually having conversations with other people in the grounds while we're on holidays, that's not fun to me. Well, Sue won me over with fine-sounding arguments and the encouragements of friends. I'm telling you, they are the best holidays we ever had. We ended up dragging our camper into every state, territory and capital city in Australia and it was fantastic. They are some of the biggest family highlights, the most fun in our family life so far. And so from what at first I was not able to imagine why on earth we would want to do that, I now can't imagine not wanting to do it. And at the risk of trivialising it, I wonder whether that's the sort of feel that Isaiah is wanting to give us in this reading. Because a part of you might be sitting there thinking... I hope this new creation is going to be as good as it sounds. I hope it's going to live up to the hype. It's going to go on forever. I hope it doesn't get boring. And isn't just a little bit of sin in our life sort of fun? Isaiah wants us to know, God wants you to know, that even if you cannot imagine it now, this new creation will be magnificent. And we will be glad and rejoice forever in what God will create.
That's our finish line. Secured for us by Jesus Christ. Here is the end goal of God's grand plan to transform the world. It is a new, perfect world. A world reserved for those who have repented of their sins and who have been forgiven because the servant was pierced for our transgressions. Here is our finish, friends. And Isaiah is showing it to us so that we might have it pressed into our heads so that we might strive for it. He wants us to have this mental picture of the finish line in our minds so that we might not give up at reaching it, so that we might persevere. Because, friends, here we are today, we have reached the end of the book of Isaiah, but we have not yet reached the new heavens and the new earth. And the wait for them can be very hard. It'll test your stamina, it'll test your patience, it'll test your faith, and for some people it's just too hard, too many distractions, too many difficulties. But plain and simple, Isaiah is saying to us, just keep going. Here is what it is at the end. And so he closes this majestic book by doing us a great service. He shows us what's in store for those of us who persevere. Friends, are you losing interest in Jesus? This is a good vision to see. As you look back over this year, perhaps even as you look back over the past few years, did you used to be keen about Jesus, but now in all honesty, you're not? Whatever it takes... You need to get the course of your life back on track. And that may be difficult. It may mean giving up some things that you actually enjoy doing. It might mean owning up to a sin you don't really want to stop. But friends, a new creation is coming and you don't want to miss out on it. You don't want to stop 800 metres from the shoreline. Maybe you're not so much disinterested so much as just discouraged. Your personal Bible reading and prayer is in a shambles, again. The sin is back, again. You actually, learn, you actually yearn for righteousness. It's just so hard. Strengthen yourself. A new creation is coming. And one day, the struggle will be over. Are you sick? Are you sad, anxious, overwhelmed at times? A new creation is coming and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Are you just tired? Like There's just so much stuff going on in life. And you know that the kingdom of God is important. You know the stuff to do with Jesus is the most important. So you're trying to get to growth groups and and you're wanting to meet up with people and read the Bible for them and you're seeking to care in practical ways for those in the church family who are doing it tough. But you're here this morning and in all honesty, you're just tired. Friends, press on. Hang in there. Because it may not always seem like it now, But a time is coming when anything we have done, no matter how small it may seem, 
anything we have done to be in the new creation and to help others persevere and be in the new creation, those will be seen to be the best things we have ever done. Because the best is yet to come. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not even be remembered. That's our finish. I'll pray. Father, help us to persevere to the end. Father, thank you for this extraordinary vision, this extraordinary insight into what you have in store for your people. Father, we thank you for the goodness and perfection and pleasures of your new creation in store. We long for them. But Father, until it comes in full, we ask that you would help us to endure. Help us to stay loyal to Jesus. Help us to help each other stay loyal to Jesus. Father, thank you because of him you have reserved a place for us in your new world. But until it comes, please, Father, help us to persevere. Help us to not forget the finish. Amen.